0: i uh-huh. uh-huh.
1: I'm Scott Corelli.
2: I'm Cassandra Fredrickson.
1: And I'm Nick Jimenez. And today we are beginning Doctor Who The Long Way Round, our sort of uh, side quest uh, series of of podcasts um, in which which we tackle every story in Doctor Who, one Doctor at a time. Uh, And today we're beginning with William Hartnell's first story An Unearthly Child um, but before that we're going to tackle An Adventure in Space and Time uh, the uh, uh, sort of like story of how Doctor Who started um, which was like a Mark Gatiss thing but before we even do that we've got some news to talk about um, I mean really the big news that everyone's talking about is that Doctor Who's leaving Netflix and Hulu Uh <laughs> Yep. Bearing the lead, bearing the lead. Well, awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, with it Freebird. Everyone. Roll with it, roll with it everyone.
0: <laughs> oh uh my so Dr. Who is
1: leaving Netflix and Hulu, which which is actually unfortunate for us on this show because uh I mean, I feel like in order for to get people to follow along with us, they they needed like really healthy access to Dr. Who. Right. They're not going to have it anymore. Um <sighs> but the rumor is that the there they reason go, Scott, the
0: rest of our listeners. <laughs> yeah.
1: The reason that Dr. Who is leaving Netflix and Hulu is because uh, like every channel seems to be doing uh, BBC is creating their own streaming app.
0: Ooh. You know, like
1: Yahoo screen that that gold mine. Right. Um, well, they weren't. I mean, Yahoo wasn't a channel. Uh, yeah. But this this is more like the CBS app, which has been a thing for like a really long time and hasn't ever changed. Um, which is why you can't watch Supergirl on Hulu. I
0: know. It's why um, I don't.
1: Yep. Uh, so they're thinking about making a BBC app. And at first I was like, well, that's a bunch of crap. Like I want Doctor Who and all my BBC stuff on Netflix and or Hulu. And then I was thinking about it. And I was like, well, but if, if the change is that there's going to be a BBC app and say it's $5 a month, because they can't possibly ask for more than that because they're just one channel. Mm-hmm. Um, $5 a month, and when you sign up, you get everything the BBC has ever made, including every single episode of Classic Who. That would be worth it.
2: That'd be sick.
1: That'd be pretty awesome. Because the thing about, about you know Classic Who on Netflix for the longest time, it was the same 18 adventures, the same 18 stories
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, that have always been on there. It's the same 18. Uh, for some reason it was the entire Key is Time series and then like 12 other stories (laughs) Um, and uh, for the longest time that was the only Classic Who that was on Netflix I never understood why every episode just wasn't on there because who cares Um, I don't know what was going on with that but if there's a BBC app like maybe they'll put all of it on there they'll just put everything they've ever made like the HBO Go app you know
0: Yeah, that'd be pretty cool It'd be pretty great, like historically. Yeah, right. Totally. Like, Absolutely. Like imagine like old episodes of like BBC World News, like when the moon landing happened or like nine eleven. <laughs> that'd be pretty that'd be pretty interesting. Um every yeah, episode so, of Faulty Towers. <laughs> I mean there's only like twelve of those. So. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not much of an accomplishment. <laughs> that's like what that show is famous for. Right.
1: Um, so, so the big news, uh, which I buried the lead with, because how could we how could we follow up the, the <laughs> this news with the Netflix news? <laughs> um, so, for a long time, we've been wondering when Stephen Moffat was leaving the show, and it was announced shortly after uh, the the start of the new year that um, Stephen Moffat is uh, leaving. That series ten will be his la- his final season, and Chris Chibnall. Uh, is the new showrunner of Doctor Who, uh, taking over for Moffat? Um, my immediate thought is that, like right off the bat, as soon as they announced Chris Chibnall, I was like, he will be one of the shortest showrunners in Doctor Who history. I think, I think, I think we'll get a Doctor out of Chris Chibnall, and then he'll be gone too. Because um, I just don't, for whatever reason, he just doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to stick with the show for that long. Tell based on his based on his episodes like it just doesn't seem like he has the uh crazy amount of ideas like Moffitt does
0: mhm
1: or Moffitt did I should say um uh, so so I don't know it just I don't I don't think he's going to be even even if he's taking over the show I feel like it's going to be a, a short run uh for him huh. I think it'll be like maybe 3 seasons 4 seasons tops but I I think it'll be like 3 um of the of the three modern Who showrunners, I think Chris Chibnall will be the the shortest. But uh, I don't know what 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 are your guys' thoughts? Because we've been we were hard on Moffat. We were ready for him to leave two years ago, and now you know he just finished, in my estimation, the greatest season finale in Doctor Who history, and he's he's leaving. But he has a whole other season left, so that's something I guess. But um, it's weird. We're in that weird space again where uh, when Russell T. Davies announced that he was leaving and Moffat was taking over the show and we were like, oh, exciting. But, man, that's a long wait because <laughs> it's going to be a while. But um, I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts? Cassandra, what, what are your thoughts?
2: Um, well, because you texted me, Scott. You were just like, Stephen Moffat's leaving. And I was like, oh, shit. Well,
0: um, yeah. but- you guys text? Yeah. I'm kidding.
2: Technology. Um, But yeah, no, you you were texting me and I was at work and I was just like, whoa, what? Because it felt, because I know that we had been so hard on Stephen Moffat, especially like season eight. Um, It's like, when is he going to leave? When is he going to leave? But now that he's announced it, it's kind of really bittersweet because season nine was so incredible Mm -hmm. and now i'm just like sad that he's i don't know i'm sad but also excited
0: george washington's going home right that's i
1: mean that's that's the thing though that makes doctor who great right is like every time there's change we as doctor who fans can simultaneously be really sad that one era is ending, but so excited for the next era yeah, yeah. it's
0: it you know it's it's these it's moments like these that remind me why i'm why I continue to follow this show, you know like it because mm-hmm. there's nothing no nothing in pop culture is quite like this it's almost it it you know the the thing I can only uh, really equate it to is like the changing of the guard in like a presidency or like a papacy, you know. Yeah. I mean, like, mm-hmm. like, or to
1: go in the opposite direction, like Bond, when when like Bond creative, ch-
0: yeah, yeah, but happen. well, even but even when we get a new Bond, you know, the some yeah yeah the Bond you know like uh, the Daniel Craig movies have really taken an ownership of the Bond franchise, you know, in a way that you know if you if you you know you could argue that after Connery, it, you know, like no no single Bond really was a a major sea change. I would argue mm, more, more
1: was. And so was, uh, so was, uh, Brosnan. They were both major seed changes.
0: Yeah. But, and like, but I I don't know. It, it just like, so think about what Moffat did to Dr. Who. Like, I almost, I almost don't remember what like a not Moffity who is like. And a um, Moffity who, by the way, is, sounds like adorable. Um,
1: <laughs> it sounds like, uh, it sounds like a Dr. Seuss, like,
0: character. Creature. I'm just picturing Dr. Seuss. I'm just picturing Stephen Moffat, but, like, kind of hairy and, like, with his, like, hands folded. <laughs> a moffat who? Hello! <laughs> I'm going to take a long nap. <laughs> um... I don't. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. You know. I mean, I've been. I've been. I've been a Toby Whithouse trash for like you know five years. So I think well, I
1: mean, we all have. We, we all, were all. Oh yeah. And definitely. you know what's funny is when they announced Chris Chibnall, all of the Whithouse people that I thought I thought we were alone on that. I thought that we were on a lonely mountain, um, where everyone else was on. Was on the Gaitus Mountain for some reason, mm-hmm. and and then there were those weird people who were who were on the the Gaiman Mountain, where it was Jeez. just like, guys, that is not a realistic mountain. That is that is a painting of a mountain. That is not a real mountain. What are you doing over there? That's a thing that's never going to happen, right? <laughs> um, but but uh, yeah, I, I I we were all yeah totally Toby totally Woodhouse trash. I don't think anyone was rooting for Chris Chibnall. My my thing though with Chris Chibnall is like he made he did forty two which I love forty two yeah um, it's one of my favorite episodes of of, of season three and that's saying something cause season three is arguably the best season of New Who it's like it's like my favorite seasons of New Who are seasons three four five and now nine um, I think are my favorite seasons uh, but. I I love Forty Two, but I haven't been crazy about his other stuff. I like The Power of Three a lot, except for the cheesy voiceover and the and the, like the third act of the episode isn't very good. Um, but I like everything else about it. So there's parts of Chris Chibnall as as a as a writer for Doctor Who that I like a lot. But the thing that everybody seems to be forgetting is that no, he hasn't written like a classic episode of Doctor Who yet. Not even one. Because even though I like Forty Two, I would never call it a classic episode. He hasn't written a classic episode of Doctor Who, but since the last time he wrote for Doctor Who, he did all of Broadchurch. Um, he'll have done three the the entire three series run of Broadchurch, and Broadchurch is incredible. So I feel like he's going to come back from that experience a better writer. Um.
0: And so I'm curious to see what he does with the show. It's interesting that um that the new showrunner is almost like an outsider compared to how Moffitt was, you know, very much a part of the of the show, you know, by the time he took over. But like, you know, Chip Well, and-
1: I mean he ran the uh Davies ran the show differently, you know. Sure. Davies tended to have like he had like six writers that wrote every season they just they just kind of like rearranged have which fun boys yeah but they yeah but they they kind I just realized of realized i've never done a, an rtd voice and that was my <laughs> um but he kind of just did those six kind of those six writers just did episodes every season whereas like moffat would run his writers ragged into the ground and then retire them and then get new ones
0: every season like racehorses
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, he would he would he would turn them into racehorses. I guess, um, but I writers guess,
0: and directors. But Moffat was, you know, and he's not dead, but <laughs> um, he was he was more than a showrunner. He was like the voice of the show, like you know, it, it, it's kind of well, so like so
1: was Davies at the time.
0: Yeah, but it's 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 you know, with with Davies and Moffat, it's you know what it is. It's a lot like when a coach leaves a, a team. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, you know when when a, when a coach is a, a part of a team, like if you, if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, like you know there was a Tom Landry era, you know for for better or worse there was a you know that there was a, a Wade Phillips era, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited to see how an another writer another storyteller takes command of the show. Speaking of which, and also speaking of uh, you mentioned a lonely mountain earlier, Scott, um, yes. does this new schedule lend credence to the legend that uh, it's Peter Jackson is going to be helming a portion of Doctor Who in the future? I mean, I think that's a done deal pretty much.
1: Like, right? this gives I him mean, the- you don't
0: make that video if that's not happening. Yeah, but, like, okay, so is he going to direct the Christmas special? Is he going to direct something in Series 10? Because now he has, like, almost two years to, like, do that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe maybe he's
1: going to do all of Series 10.
0: That's crazy.
1: Oh, my I don't, God. Who knows? I mean, that would really, be who
0: knows? That would be unprecedented.
1: It would be unprecedented. I don't know that I really want him to do all of Series 10. I think I think it'd be cool if he did, like, the Christmas special and, like, the opening two-parter of Series 10. You know, he he pulled like it out. introduced uh, the new companion or something. Yeah. I think that would be kind of cool. But, um, As I, Mark, because I really like Rachel Talali a lot. And so I really want her to direct some stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe he got Peter Jackson to agree to direct his final episodes. Oh
2: my gosh. Guys, Capaldi's going to be going and it might be directed by Peter Jackson. Yeah. That's insane.
1: Yeah, Peter? I think – because, yeah, that's the other thing that we haven't talked about is that it seems to be understood that Series 10 will be Peter Capaldi's final c- series. He'll leave um, with Moffat. He'll leave with Moffat and Chibnall will start fresh with a new doctor um, who I, I, I believe, like, without a shadow of a doubt is going to be a woman. Maybe even Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman. I mean, she was on – she was in uh, 11th Hour. Not that that stops anything. But oh,
2: yeah, she was.
1: She was in 11th Hour. Yeah. She was the mom with the two kids that was the Prisoner Zero.
0: How cool would it be if um, like Chibnall came out with the new Doctor? What do you mean? Like kind of similar, like kinda, like they both came out as homosexual, um, li- like uh, <laughs> <laughs> together. Um, <what> if, <laughs> no, like like you remember, the, remember that television special they did for Capaldi? Yeah, when he like They'll came do out. that again? How cool would it yeah. be if they're like, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, Peter, 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 attack, attack? No, uh, what if it was uh, like like Christian came out with the Doctor for the first time? I would... mean,
1: I, I think that would probably that'll probably happen, but I don't think it'd happen at the same time. I think Chris Chibnall will come out first. Oh, sure, and and, then... s- and set up his reasoning for picking this new person to play the doctor, yeah, play. Now, when I
0: first decided
1: to be, yeah, it'll be it'll be that kind of move, yeah, oh yeah, and totally. and and then and he will be super vague on pronouns, and then the doctor will come out, and it'll be Haley Atwell as it should be. Um, <laughs> she comes because, in. because, you know, this is why I think it's perfect because, because, uh, agent Carter is, uh, is going to get canceled this year because you, you guys know, are lucky.
0: Aww. You got a season two.
1: Yeah, no, it's it opened And they're like, everyone was like, Oh man, those were, it opened to the worst ratings it's ever had. And then the set, then the second episode aired this week and it was just like, and they got worse. <laughs> oh, no
2: so,
1: so that shows getting canceled, uh, which means she'll be a free agent. Uh, of oh, um, shield yeah, <laughs> yeah and get to uh oh, i didn't even realize i did that that's funny. <laughs> um she'll yeah she'll be she'll be a free agent to to get on to whatever she wants to and, how cool would
0: uh, it be if she just did like the beginning of iron man 2 but like in the tardis just like shoot the thrill by acdc starts playing like, oh she comes in <laughs> through the roof
1: that's ridiculous um yeah, no, but I, I think, I think uh, Chris Chibnall will definitely introduce our first, if not our first female doctor, I think it'll definitely be a female doctor because I think that's what Missy and all of this is leading to. Yeah. Um, but uh, if not a female doctor, at least definitely a, a doctor that is a non-white doctor, a person of I color, think. a person of color, yeah, for sure
2: cuz wasn't there Maybe that interview even. that Moffin or Moffat had that was like <laughs> yeah the doctor can and should be a woman and whatever yeah. like he finally yeah. was just like yeah
1: Yeah, I it. mean I you're right. I mean, I think his thing all along was just like it's just like yeah, but you know, be patient. We need to we need to you know, I think he was just like, "Look, I know you guys all want this, but there's probably twice as many of you who are uncomfortable with the idea and I need to like we need to take baby steps into this process. Look, I'll make him not. Just,
0: I'll make him not. We meet can't meet just first. do
1: it because because then everyone will lose their minds and stop watching the show. um, And then the show will get canceled. And it's my job to make sure that doesn't happen. You know, so what I I, 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 like, I like I'm glad that he he did it the way that he did it. I wish that he had quit the Internet earlier so he wouldn't have been so angry about it at first, um, which I think is what made people uh, uh, shy away from Moffitt for so long. Like, I saw so many Ding Dong the Witch is Dead uh, memes yeah. when when he announced that he was leaving. And it made me sad because I was just like, you guys don't, you're not watching the show now, so you don't even know what the show is now. So stop mm. talking about it like that. Like, you can't have an opinion on a show that you're not watching. Like, knock it off. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> He got better. He learned. He he was learning. He was he's been learning. And I think that series 10 is probably going to be like even better. Uh, Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, it'll be like the Chinese democracy of Doctor Who seasons at that point. You know, (laughs) you always bring up that metaphor, but that album was not good. (laughs) I know Um, it'll be like the pets. Now, what was the Fury Road? There you go. That's better. Um, you know what I was I thinking, because like like, you, you were mentioning, you know, it took time, you know, for it to be a woman, doc- assuming it is a female doctor. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. I
1: just I'm sorry. Uh, before you finish your thought, I'm just distracted by the idea of because uh, we're talking about Peter Jackson directing Doctor Who. Now I'm just distracted by the idea of uh,
0: the director of Fury Road doing a Doctor Who episode. Oh, oh George Miller would be amazing. Yeah. George um, Miller directing. Charlize oh, Theron God. would be a great doctor. Um, <sighs> oh, my God. But here's the thing. So I was thinking about, okay, well, who, who do I want the next doctor to be? And I was like – Haley Atwell. You know, because first he was cute, <laughs> right? He was he was, he, he was cute for like two doctors in a row. And then in, they were like, okay, in... now he's going to not be cute. He's going to be old. Are you guys cool with that? And now it's like, – I kind of – how cool would it be if it was like Blythe Danner or – Who's like, that? Uh, the mom from Meet the Parents. Um Or, like, I kind of want it to be like an older. It'd be cool if it was an older actress. Is she British? No, but that that was a bad example. Like, um. Okay. Like, or like, or like freaking, like, um, uh, like Amelia Staunton, you know? Who's that? Uh, Dolores Umbridge. Oh. (laughs) But not. Imagine not that character but she's, she's right like, she's like a i prim- mean i
1: think she would be if they i don't think they would do that because i think they would cast i think they would cast like somebody like Haley atwell for the first female doctor like someone you would not be able to help but love whereas like the actress who played umbridge if you like cast her it would be like the it would be the colin baker problem again yeah what was the colin baker problem the colin baker problem was that everyone hated colin baker Ugh and that his his version of doctor who was canceled twice. Um, and
2: then they put him on trial in the TV Well can- show. <laughs>
1: canceled once he put they they put the show on trial in in the show and then they canceled they canceled his tenure again and then and then regenerated him off screen. Yeah. So um we don't. I don't want a redo of the Colin Baker era because that really sucked for that guy. But it he was loved that show so, so I was more than like, anyone else.
0: <laughs> so I was thinking that a like it'd be cool if the female doctor wasn't like an ingenue if she was like an older like kind of actress. And then I was like, the converse of that is what if the doctor like imagine the doctor regenerates from Capaldi into like Saoirse Ronan. Who? Who's that? The girl from Brooklyn. Oh, that's how you pronounce her name. Yeah, oh, um, yeah. I don't like like I I don't know the idea of it being just like like a like a young like cute like ingenue like doesn't excite me as much. But then if I start thinking about it being like an older actress or like a much younger actress, for some reason that like makes me a lot more excited. Hmm, interesting.
1: I'm excited at the prospect of a female Doctor Who. I don't I don't really care who it is. I'm just saying realistically, I think they're going to. They're gonna pick someone like a
0: Haley Atwell because they want it to be an easy sell. Yeah, the, the I, first one out the gate. Anyway. Yeah, and I, and I guess that's just like that. That's kind of like a sobering bummer. They're like, oh, I guess it does. We're not that far yet. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I and mean,
1: it, for all I know, like I mean, yeah, Chris Chibnall could just pick Olivia Coleman, and it could be the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> Olivia Coleman would be an amazing Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, but
0: I don't. I don't see that happening. Yeah, as much as as cool as that would be, I don't see that happening. I just hope it's not just like a really like Tumblr fan art decision, you yeah. know? Like yeah. I hope it. I, I hope yeah. it's like a result of like, oh my gosh, this person, this actor, yeah. is in, is insane. I hope it's not like you know, because cause otherwise, then it's just like a leave of their own. Where it's right, like, right, check it out. She's wearing a scut now. She's ready to sock that dog in the jaw. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right.
0: That's true. Um. I don't know,
1: God. You know, I. You know, I would love to see. Um, what's that? What's that actor's? Uh, that actor's name? Um, who played Doctor Doom in Fantastic Four and was Koba in? Oh yeah, uh, the to- Toby
0: Cabal, or Cabal. Yeah,
1: Toby Cabal would be a great master. Yeah, he would be a great master, and and it would be like this cool like. Uh, Redemption for him as Doctor Doom because he would have been an amazing Doctor Doom had he had a good movie to play Doctor Doom in. <laughs> uh,
0: everyone in the movie could have been because he's in
1: he's an incredible, like bonkers, good actor. Mm-hmm. Um God, he would be an amazing master. Uh yeah. How oh God, how awesome would that be? Like him as the master and Olivia Coleman as as
0: the doctor? Yeah. Oh. like Sally Hawkins. Yeah. Who's that? Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you ever see, did you see Blue Jasmine? Yes. She was, uh, she was, she was Jasmine's sister.
1: Okay. For some reason, I remember her sister in that movie as, um, oh, what is her name? United States of Terra.
0: What's her favorite? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, Tony Collette.
1: Yeah, Tony Collette. For some reason, I picture her sister as Tony Collette. Whoa, could an, Australian, other, could an Australian? I think I'm thinking
0: of, of the other sister, whatever that movie was. But. Could an Australian play the Doctor? Is that against the rules? Mm, I mean, nothing. There's not technically a rule, I don't think.
1: Because then, like, that opens the door to, like, freaking, like, they, they just chat. have to. The, right. I mean, they just have to. They She'd have to be able to do the accent. I don't think they'd want her to have an Australian accent. Hello? Yeah, I think that'd be a little. weird. <laughs> I'm the doctor. <laughs> it's weird enough with Tegan. Um. Oh God. <laughs> so so yeah, Chris Chibnall, new showrunner. Um, I wonder what the new show is going to look like. That's the thing, because I was watching on on my uh, Blu-ray for an adventure in space and time, which we're going to talk about in a second. Um. I was watching the trailers on them because for whatever reason, I always watch the trailers on any BBC DVD I have. Um, (laughs) And I was watching the trailers and one of them was just like about the 50th anniversary. And um, they did this thing where they were, they were like putting together like a, like it was like a montage-y kind of like trailer thing of like, all the doctors throughout history and they were, so they were like combining all of the stuff so that you were seeing, you know, classic who with Davies era stuff with uh, 11 stuff um, because 12 hadn't started yet. Uh, and it was what struck me was how, cause it's been a while since I've watched a Davies era episode now. Um, cause I don't think we covered a Davies era episode for like a few months for, for a real good chunk of time. Like I think, the entire summer or something like that um, before series nine started up. So it had been a really long time since i had revisited anything from the Davies era and seeing the Davies era compared to the Moffat era, it was like night and day. And I was like, Oh wow. I didn't realize how dated the Davies era looked now. Uh, And so I'm wondering what that step up from Moffat to Chibnall is going to look like. What's the new TARDIS gonna look like? Oh my god! So
2: funny. <laughs> yeah, watching those Davies episodes, it's like watching the first two Harry Potter movies, and then immediately jumping into the third one. You're like, oh god! Like the tone, yeah, right? Like the color palette, like everything is like so different. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's a good point. Like, what is the like aesthetic of the Chibnall era?
1: Right. Because cause Moffat shifted the aesthetic a little bit from 11 to 12. Yeah. Um, there was definitely a change, but I'm curious to see if there's going to be, if it's going to be a slight shift, um, like 11 to 12, or if it's going
0: to be a massive shift, like 10 yeah. to 11. I don't know. I think, I think if, if this show has taught me anything, I... I think the actor they choose will, will have a lot to do with the energy that the show has. Most likely, yeah. Because, like, you know, we've heard about, like, you know, f- like, famously, uh, after Tenet, it, the series was supposed to look a lot like Series 8 and 9, but then Matt Smith happened. hmm hmm That's true. Um,
1: yeah. I'm, uh, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm 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 excited, you know, like new stuff in Doctor Who is like that's what makes being a Doctor Who fan so exciting is like the constant regeneration
0: of of the show yeah um, and and i have i've have, i have a lot to say about that as we go into uh an an unearthly child
1: all right awesome well let's let's talk about an adventure in space and time first um before we get to the main event uh an adventure we we we're doing an adventure in space and time. Um, on the regular Doctor's Companion podcast, I had covered it during the 50th anniversary, uh, but neither Nick nor Cassandra had ever seen it before. And so I thought it was a perfect way to sort of start this journey, especially with, with Nick, who has never experienced Classic Who before. Um, I thought it was a really good way of giving him sort of a baseline into, um, classic who so if you ever want to get into classic who an adventure in space and time is like the perfect place to start uh your step into it because it, it'll get you emotionally attached i think to Hartnell and and the first doctor so let's talk about it. an adventure in space and time written by mark gatis uh directed by terry mcdonough um who uh was mostly a a, a tv director although he he uh he did direct um well, it says he directed Eleventh Hour, but but I think it's talking yeah, it's talking about a TV series, not the episode. Um, so uh, so yeah, so he's directed like a bunch of TV stuff. Uh, he directed some episodes of Breaking Bad, things like that. Um, but uh, what did you guys think of this? Because I I love it. Um, but I have some things to to talk about with it because I do think that as a as it sits in the genre of like biopics it feels it sometimes feels like a like a parody of a biopic um because it's like when they like when when funny or die will do like like oh we're doing a biopic of weird al yankovic and it's just like (laughs) really ridiculous you know um that's what it kind of feels like every once in a while because like there's a lot of moments in this, like a lot of moments. Like it's like they they structured the whole it's like Mark structured the entire story around the moments where Mark Zuckerberg overhears somebody saying, I don't know if she's single or not. I just wish there was some way I could know like her relationship status. <laughs> um, there's there's like a lot of moments like that in this in this story. So those always made me laugh. But they make me laugh in the same way that classic who makes me laugh and gives me like that pure um, unironic joy that I get from doctor who, even when it can be ridiculous, I get those same feelings here and nothing makes me appreciate the first doctor more than this movie, I think to me. So I'm, I'm curious of what you guys think. Um, I'll start with you, Cassandra, because you have you have the background with Hartnell and then we'll get to Nick the newbie. Um, okay, but uh, yeah, what, what did you think of it?
2: Um, it's interesting that we're actually starting with this one because um, <clears throat> I I hadn't seen Unearthly Child in a really long time, so I actually watched that first.
0: Oh, um, okay.
2: Yeah, so I was just like, okay, well, you know, they're probably gonna have like bits of this in the biopic, so I'll just watch this first to get reacquainted. Um, and, and then I jumped into um an adventure in space and time and oh my gosh i love it so much
1: right <laughs> best thing gatus has ever written pants down period no question it was
2: so good i actually like bawled at the end it was really bad yeah.
1: I-, <laughs> I i cry i cry twice every time i watch it i cry at the end when he's leaving the show and i cry when he sees the kids in the park oh like, when he sees the kids, when he sees the one kid, and then he turns, and there's, like, a ton of kids, and then he's, like, yeah. playing with them in the park, I, just, I weep. It's it's terrible. <laughs> um, Yeah. It's... I...
2: Yeah. No. <laughs> I loved this way more than I thought I would. Um, yeah. And the... Like, oh, my God. He looks so much like Hartnell. It is yeah. uncanny. Yeah. Uh, especially, like, just watching unearthly child and then going into it i was like oh my god that's crazy
1: he, uh, the only thing that he's missing is he doesn't have the same voice and his teeth aren't the same because yeah. hartnell's got like those fangs yeah. <laughs> that are very dis he's got very distinctive like fangs um <laughs> that uh he kind of looks like like he's like mid werewolf transformation sometimes <laughs> or british <laughs> or british <laughs> Oh, oh, and there, and there, were, and there. Oh, do you hear that? That was all of our British listeners listening, believing the show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bye. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, definitely. He, it's uncanny how how good he is as Hartnell. Really, uh, good. and
2: the actress that they got to play, um, Jacqueline Verity? Hill also oh
1: oh jacqueline hill oh
2: yeah like she looks like barbara like her face like her profile i was like oh my god that's crazy um and i loved the actress who played Verity too she did a really good job
1: yeah uh i okay well let well before we get into real like the the minute details of it nick what what were your thoughts because this is like Kinda of your crazy backwards introduction to classic Who. So what what did you think?
0: Yeah. Um I bought this uh like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um it's been on my iTunes and I just you know, 'cause like it came out on iTunes with the fiftieth like everything. Right. You know, like the Brian Cox special and all, all that all that stuff. And right. I just, you know, when Th- this you... was the Brian Cox special. <laughs> the other Brian Cox special. Um <laughs> <Ayo>. uh, <laughs> Um, and yeah, so I just, I never watched it. And then I'm like, Hey, we're doing this as well as unearthly child. And I'm like, Oh, cool. I can finally, you know, vindicate that 199 I spent in 2013. And <laughs> so I, I watched it and yeah, it was, it was just, uh, it was a love letter to Dr. Who. And there was really nothing, uh, it, 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 it's nothing more than, than that. But I mean that in a nice way, like it is such a loving, tribute to to just the show mm-hmm. uh, and, and not just the iconography but like the, the the people and you know it it is a bit melodramatic considering what it's about but you can tell that to the people making this movie like it is this big of a deal and mm-hmm. there's so much loving moments like the moment with uh and you know and, and david bradley far and away the best part about this um, I'm actually surprised that he wasn't he didn't win like a BAFTA or anything for this. Um that is odd. Yeah. Um I think he did win for Broadchurch though, so it's not like the guy's uh uncelebrated. That's um, true. Okay, Chris Schimmel. Um <laughs> I yeah, it was just really good and like the actress that, and like, I was unaware of the history, you know. So mm-hmm. like I'm now really I I was uh Oh, I guess we can talk about this now that the show's out, but I uh, I was as I was watching it. One of the first things I thought was, "Man, if I had seen this back in 2013, there's no way Lorelei Swift wouldn't be named Verity Swift." Oh yeah, um, <laughs> that's funny. But it was yeah, and it was it was just so fun, and it was short, and it was it it was just like a a, a sweet like hug, and I can only imagine like what watching this in the midst of all like the 50th anniversary you know hype and goodwill would have been like. Mhm. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> and it's and um, it, it's you know if you love like Saving Mr. Banks or like Trumbo, it's it's great like I I mean I'm you know I I think uh I think Scott I, th- I I
1: think also if you like um that thing you do, I think it has a that thing you do kind of vibe to it. Yeah, it it's just a really good
0: showbiz movie.
1: Yeah. Really good really good. What I was surprised about, well first of all, I want I want to talk about the background of it because Gatiss this is something that Gatiss has had written and has written multiple 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 drafts of since 1999 when he was originally trying to pitch it to the BBC as a as a thing that he wanted to get made because he he felt there was a story here to be told. Um, and he tried to get it Made during the 40th anniversary, but the 40th anniversary was in 2003, two years before the show had mm-hmm. returned. And so BBC was like, nobody wants to watch this. Why would anyone want to watch this? Um, and, and so they didn't make it. And uh, <clears throat> I think that that's I think that's really that's really interesting that he was like trying to to show that. I think it adds meaning to it that he was trying to prove the Doctor Who mattered in a time where it didn't.
0: Yeah, that actually really in, endears Mark Gatiss to me. Like, yeah, just knowing that he's been that passionate for so long. Right. Um, Absolutely, man. You know, Mark Gatiss has really shaped uh, modern Anglo Anglo Anglophilia. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I the other thing that I was surprised about.
1: <clears throat> when I watched it and I, I get surprised every time really is that is like a couple of things <clears throat> is uh one. I'm always surprised at how feminist the movie is. Uh, like it, it really does have like this feminist perspective of just like this show that everyone loves was started by a woman. Yeah. You know, it was, it was created by, by, by Sydney Um, in this insane, incredible, cartoonish, crazy performance by Brian Cox. That's just the greatest thing ever.
0: Like like you you have to expect like Roger Rabbit to walk out of his office.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um, it's, it's phenomenal, but, but, uh, Verity like, you know, was the mother of the show. Uh, he basically just gave her a folder with the basic idea and then she turned it into a television series, um and so i was I was surprised by that and, and and how it was dealing with the the politics of men and women in the sixties and in, in and people television of, and people of color right mm-hmm. and that was the other thing right people of color and homosexuals both mhm um because you know it was it was the the movie the film was not so subtly hinting that uh that that he was uh that he was gay um uh where is where is Hussein um that he was also gay so so not only was was he a person of color but also gay, so like he just he had all kinds of things going against him um but it was it was uh i, I was surprised by that about how creating the show was just like this crazy uphill battle for these two people um for a show that was basically given to them
0: uh, yeah and and they were like really giving carte blanche to do whatever they want. I mean, uh, the, I mean, the Brian Cox's character did have certain, I mean, one of my favorite scenes is the scene where Verity like passionately defends the Daleks. Yes. So good. Uh I really yeah, love that. But
1: I, I also love, I love that it, what it starts off as a Verity movie and then it turns into a Hartnell movie because like, it's interesting because it's not a thing that should work. Like you shouldn't be able to shift your focus like that. Yeah, I mean, she kind of leaves mm-hmm. the movie once once she leaves the show. Right. Exactly. She totally leaves the movie. She's gone. But the, but the, the reason that I think it works is because it it's it's almost a statement on like Hartnell was was in this show for so long that he outlived the main character of this movie like like that he was on he was on the show that long that that he just yeah like it, it it just it it added to it i think it added to that moment of him like taking those photographs for like that third season and he's with like these two people that he has like no relationship with and it's just like oh my god i'm still doing this <laughs> uh Like, and it's, it's so, it's so good. Like he had nobody there for him anymore, but he was still doing
0: it. He was the only one that knew how to turn on the TARDIS.
1: Then that was the other thing too. I love that they depicted William Hartnell as the doctor basically. (laughs) Yeah. Like they were basically saying like, yes, this is, this TARDIS is a set, but William Hartnell knew how to use it. Mm
0: -hmm. Just Mm -hmm. like
1: the doctor knows how to use the TARDIS. William Hartnell knew how to use the TARDIS set. Loved that. It was beautiful. Um, what did you guys think of, uh, Matt Smith's, uh, guest appearance? A Skynet? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, that
2: yeah. is, that is the, uh, the part where I started crying the hardest actually. Um,
1: oh, cause it's been, gotcha. a,
2: it's been a while since we'd seen him cause you know, it's Capaldi every day, but like, oh my gosh, it reminded me not only how much I love Matt Smith, but just how much I love the show. Um, yeah 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 Yeah, there's
0: almost kind of an added bittersweetness to that scene now yeah because he's gone yeah like even even this era has passed right yeah oh and i loved
1: i loved the uh the opening shot being a a police box that was actually in use yeah and and the guy Mm -hmm. the cop coming up to the to his to William Hartnell's car window and like telling him he needs to move along now. Like mm-hmm. it's time for you to go. You need to go. It's time to move on. Like,
0: it <laughs> yeah. like, Oh man. <laughs> um, and also a really elegant, cool way to, uh, also pay homage to Troughton.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that guy's a little weird. Um, casting-wise. He doesn't Mm. really look anything like Troughton, and he was kind of doing, like, a cartoony version of Troughton, I felt like. Um, Mm. I did like him more this time than the first time I watched it, but it's a little weird. Um, It was a little weird. That being said, uh, I could take one of these for every era. Oh my goodness,
2: yes. Make
1: one of these every, like, five years. Give me another one of these. I mean, the Moffat (laughs) one would basically be King Lear. (laughs) And we'd get it in, like, 40 years. Um, It would be... The Moffat era would be for, like, the 100th
0: anniversary. It'd be cool if, like, every Doctor had, like, cameoed in this. Yeah. Like,
1: if... There's, uh... There's, uh... Some special features where Mark Gatiss plays John Pertwee.
0: Oh, that's fun.
1: Um... But, uh... It's not in the... It didn't make it into the movie. (laughs) And they...
0: They... There's... And they found, like, an old sheep to be, uh... Uh... Tom Baker. <laughs> um.
1: Yeah, so so I really like this. My my only regret with this movie is that uh I was just like, really, you're going to make this movie and you're not going to show me Terry Nation? Like,
2: oh my god, yeah.
1: You're not going to let me meet the ins- the insanity that is Terry Nation? <laughs> like you're not going to let me see the scene where he pitches The Daleks (laughs) Daleks turning, turning the planet Earth into their own personal (laughs) rocket ship. Like, you're not going to show me, you're not going to show me that? Oh, Uh, that's the most, that's the most disappointing part of the movie is that, is that like
0: Johnny Depp isn't playing Terry Nation or something. (laughs) You know what we need to do, Scott? We need to, we need to write like the console wars of Doctor Who. The what? Uh, remember, uh, Console Wars, that, the book, the, the oral history book about Nintendo and Sega? Oh yeah. There, there is
1: one. Uh, there's, there's, there's a couple of them, although, although they're not written like the Console Wars is because the Console Wars, the thing that makes the Console Wars so great is that it's written like a fictional book. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. It's written like, it's written like a novel, but it's not, you know? Yeah. But it's written like with dialogue and stuff, which is really cool. Um. But there are a bunch of nonfiction books. Uh Alan Kissler wrote one. Uh and they all have really boring titles, I will say that. Like Alan, <laughs> Alan Kissler wrote one and it's just called The History of Doctor Who or something like that. Um it's really boring. Uh but yeah, like uh definitely like a um Like an uncensored like a, cons- <clears throat> like a console wars or uh Live from New York. Yeah, or live from New York, or uh, there's a Marvel Comics one that's amazing. Marvel Comics, The Untold Story.
0: Man, Uh, I can't wait to read one of those about the MCU. Yeah, that'd be cool. Just like Kevin Feige being like, I don't care what he says. Don't let Alan Taylor anywhere near the final cut of Thor The Dark World.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And then Alan <laughs> Taylor's just like, you know what? I directed Game of Thrones. I'm just gonna leave, and I'm gonna make the best Terminator movie ever. You'll see. You'll see.
0: <laughs> I didn't know. You know um, who was? Uh, you know who was almost uh, Sarah Connor instead of Amelia Clark? Brie Larson.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I'm really it glad. Between, it was between her and Amelia uh, Clark and uh, Tatiana
0: Maslany. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. and instead brie larson made room good for her good call she made, she made the right choice <laughs> um every day she sees the wreckage of that ship from her window and drinks some green tea and just says good job brie <laughs> <laughs>
1: um so yeah I, I i want one of these for every era i want i want a, I want a trout one uh about him trying to Live up to to Hartnell and 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 everything, and I want I want a Pertwee one because that would be incredible because Pertwee should, is a, amazing. We should do like Doctor Who Drunk History. <laughs> I've 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 wanted to do that forever. I've wanted to do a Doctor Who Drunk History. Let's do it when you show. come over this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but uh, I would want to do it like ongoing. Um, yeah. but yeah. I I've always wanted to do like a like a video show that was like a Doctor Who drunk history, but it wasn't um it wasn't behind the scenes so much as it was like, like drunk story. history recreation of the old series. Like, oh, that would be like, amazing! Yeah, yeah, of me like of me like talking about like what happens in an Unearthly Child, but like drunk. Um, oh God! And then doing the recreations
0: of it, and then get like and like get like Morgan and Chelsea and like me and <laughs> right to recreate it.
1: It would just be so. I mean, as cheap as you know the sets and stuff would be, they would still be expensive because you'd still have to make them. You know, we so could just,
0: we could just do a death and return of Superman style. Yeah, even that though, <laughs> even that that's still money. That that's still true. costs money. You know, everything costs money. Well,
1: I right money that I don't I don't have. That's what I'm saying. I'll pay for it. <laughs> you don't have money either. I have a job. <laughs> So do I. It doesn't mean I have money to blow. <laughs> anyway. I have more than I had. If you guys want, if you guys want us to do Doctor Who Drunk, Hi- Drunk History uh, episodes. Uh, no, can, we tried you can, that. You can donate to uh, oh, okay. can donate to uh, using the, the new PayPal donate button on, on the website. I Just in gonna- the notation say,
0: this is only for <laughs> Doctor Who Drunk History. Hashtag, hashtag Doctor Who Drunk History. <laughs> Hashtag drunk yes. Hashtag um, who's a good dog.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, so so yeah, so so everybody everybody loved this. Um, that's good, that's good. I I I I think it's uh I think it's really great. I I was surprised at how well it held up. Um, because you know I watched it you know, two and a half years ago or whatever, when mm-hmm. it first came out. And, uh, I was watching it and I was just like, man, I love this. I want to watch this all the time. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Uh, Cause I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of the Hartnell era. So watching this movie helps a lot for me. Oh
2: man. One, of, one thing I really appreciated about it though, was like all the, like it had just enough fan service um, mm-hmm. like all the different nods to the different stories, like with the Daleks going over that bridge and it's all foggy. Oh, yeah! I was like, "Oh man, that's amazing."
1: Yeah, um, or or when Hartnell is uh, smoking in his Marco Polo outfit.
2: Yeah. Oh man, it, I'm so Mar- like, yeah. Forever bummed that Marco Polo doesn't exist because that's my favorite Hartnell story ever. Um, yeah. And with the the whole like the the Zaris from Web Planet, I was like, oh man, I love this show so much! Like it's it makes really me good. so happy.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, awesome, so awesome. Um, oh, and then the and the the opening shot of the Cyberman who's the like Cyberman, smoking. yeah, that's <laughs> so good. The Tenth Planet Cyberman. Oh man, you so know good. Mark
0: Gatiss was just giggling the entire time he was like on set. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, so good. I well, love that. You're such a nerd. They're all such nerds, aren't they? They are. That's great. <laughs> um, all
1: right. Well, let's uh let's let's talk about the reason we're here. Um, we're here to talk about the first doctor's first story. Now, we are only talking about part 1 of an unearthly child because I think that part 1 has basically nothing to do with parts two through four. Um, So I decided to separate them because I think there's a lot to talk about in the first episode, but there's as there's only as much to talk about in the first episode as there is in episodes two through four. So I I thought it would be a good idea to divide them up. Um, So next time we talk about, uh, we, we come back to Hartnell um, we 're going to talk about ten thousand or one hundred thousand b c uh, and the cavemen, but we 'll get to that later um, we 're only talking about the very first episode of of uh, of Doctor Who called an unearthly child um, so let 's talk about it so it opens uh with a cop uh scoping out a foggy street, um, which seems to be is it is it is it a it 's so foggy And kind of like out of focus that I couldn't figure out if he's in. Is he in the junkyard or is Um, he like just outside the junkyard, like on the street outside the junkyard?
2: I believe he's just outside it because there's that shot with a flashlight and then it's on the gate. It's like the address. Um, Okay. Yeah. So I don't think he's in the actual junkyard. I think there's just junk outside the junkyard. Yeah. If that
1: makes sense. (laughs) Right. Right so he's he's just outside the i m foreman junkyard, yeah um, and uh we 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 hold on a police box and then we cut to uh teenagers leaving class, and uh there's this one beat where these two girls kind of step up to right in front of the camera, and then they're like talking about something, like a book or something. And and this kid walks up behind them and is just like, oh, yeah, very interesting, like mocking them. And <laughs> it's the most realistic acting you'll ever see in classic <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like every time that happens, it always throws me off because it feels like I, I, I was like, oh, am I still watching the recreation from, from An Adventure in Space and Time? Because it doesn't feel it, – it feels like a modern moment in a really – Old thing, like the mm-hmm. acting is so natural uh, in that moment. It's really, it's. I, I just find it really impressive.
0: Who was um, that extra?
1: I don't know. But it was really. I was. I was really surprised. It was really great. Um, so after uh, after every, all the class is leaving, we follow Barbara, uh, who is a, a teacher of history, and she goes into the classroom of Ian, um, who is another teacher of science. Uh, And they're talking about a student named Susan Foreman, who is uh, uh, a little weird for both of them. Uh, Susan seems to uh, be brilliant, but also not understand really basic things um, or is constantly correcting history books or science books or whatever. Um, And so they have her in another room and they're going to go and talk to her and and then they're going to like i think the plan is that they're going to follow her home or go to her home and figure out what the deal is because she has a grandfather who's a doctor which guy i love that that's how they introduced the doctor she's like she's got a grandfather right isn't he a doctor and and yeah. like it's such like a throwaway line where it's like he's he's the doctor and this is how this character was was introduced in passing, like, it's such a throwaway line for, like, a character that becomes a part of, like, iconic British pop culture, you know? hmm Very humble beginnings.
0: I don't know. I mean, the first thing he ever does is cough and struggle to get his keys into the door. That's true. That's very true. <laughs>
1: um, And I, I love that line where she says, uh, she's waiting in the other, in, in, in my classroom... Uh, because I'm gonna lend her a book on the French Revolution, and Ian says, "What's she gonna do? Rewrite it?" Yeah, <laughs> it's like, a good joke. That's a really good joke. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so they're gonna follow her home, and uh, and then there's that moment where Susan's listening to the radio and is like doing this creepy alien dance. Um, <laughs> what what is that? Is that like a Time Lord dance? Like I wish that would come back somehow. It's kind of Matt like, Smithy. It's a little too stiff to be Matt Smithy. I feel because like. Because
0: Matt Smith is a bunch of pool noodles inside of a human suit. <laughs> right. Right. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah.
1: Totally. You know, his, his dance move is like the giraffe or whatever.
0: Yeah. Whatever the wobbly is. giraffe.
1: Yes. Yeah. The wobbly giraffe.
0: The wobbly Skynet giraffe.
1: Or that time in the Power of Three. Oh, there's that Terminator reference again. Um, or that time in Power of Three when he does uh, that disco move thing. Oh yeah, um, yeah, which I hate. Um, so yeah, the Time Lord dance thing is weird. I don't, I don't know. In general, I think that, and I think that they realize this obviously, like going forward, um, because she ends up leaving the show, and they never do. They never do like a familial relation to the Doctor ever again. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think I think Susan was a mistake like in general like I understand the idea of her is like it's like as as a good idea for starting the show like I could see why you would do that but I think she's a mistake because after they follow her home um they're, like, doing this thing where they're talking about the weird things that she's done, and they do these cutaway gags, wh- which is super weird in, like, a 1963 television series that they're they're doing, like, family guy-style cutaway gags. <laughs> super weird. Um, but uh, it's it, – it, every time they cut to her and and they're doing like this POV thing because you know they're shooting it live so they can't actually show Barbara and Ian because they have to stay sitting in the car um but they keep doing this thing where it's like they cut to Susan and she looks like she's on the verge of tears every time they cut to her <laughs> it's really it's like it's like all right i mean it's not that bad she's like please can we not do this lame ass experiment and she just looks like she's gonna cry
0: Um, she's so she she loves the 20th century so much that it like always causes her great pain yeah she's (laughs) she's really
1: she's really frustrated with Barbara and Ian it's really funny because she obviously goes to school because she chooses to go to school because um, she likes the 20th century and she wants to learn like cool stuff about that era or whatever, but she keeps getting frustrated because like the textbooks are wrong or they're, be- she's being taught really simplistic things when she's like, no, that's not why I'm here. I'm here to learn these really complex things. You guys just won't let me learn these big things, but I know that you know them. So why are you ho- hiding them from me? Just tell me. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's really, I don't know. It's really interesting. I, uh, I, I, I really, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's, Susan's an interesting character. I think I think her performance can be a little much sometimes. Um like all these times that she's like I think she's trying really hard to not come off as whiny, but it's making her look like she's on the verge of tears every time. It's really it's really strange.
0: Um, she's just under a lot of pressure n- right now.
1: Yeah. Uh did you guys notice that um Ian got two cutaway gags, but Barbara only got
0: one. Sexist. They only had four edits, Scott. <laughs> um,
1: the junkyard's weird because there's like a staircase, like right in the middle of it. Is that? Yeah, yeah. Ian starts to go up a staircase looking for, <laughs> looking for Susan. Weird. Yeah, he goes up like some stairs. And he's like he's like is she up here? And it's like oh, you can see what's up there.
0: What are you doing, dude? <laughs> Get down from there. What what are those stairs even doing in the middle of a junkyard?
1: <laughs>
0: it's super weird.
1: Um and I also love that Ian puts his hand on the police box and he's like she's like or or Barbara does it first, right? And then she's like she's like, "Oh, come here and feel this. It's like vibrating." And he touches it and he goes, it's alive and i'm like or it's literally a million other things
0: it's like do you do you you think that like when you're when your razor is like shaving your your face and it's like a living thing and you're like you're like oh is your car
1: alive (laughs) is your car alive
0: i am your god
1: your car is alive and you feed it gasoline is that what you think is happening that's um,
2: science, Scott. That's science. Ian, not a
1: good science teacher, <laughs> as it turns out. Not a good science teacher. Um, I love the doctor playing coy with them uh, and just like, oh, I, I, you must have very good hearing because I didn't hear the girl say, uh, hello, grandfather. you <laughs> he <must be> mistaken. <laughs> so, like, I, I love the way that William Hartnell plays coy. Uh, he's really good at it. Because he's so obviously lying um, in the way that like when your grandfather is like trying to hide something from you, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's just being like kind of mischievous or whatever. That's the kind of tone that William Hartnell has when he's when he's doing that. Um, I really like that a lot. Uh Did either of you guys think that Barbara and Ian's reaction to the TARDIS interior was like the smallest reaction to the TARDIS being bigger on the inside? I think we've ever had in the history of the show. (laughs) I don't know. They're just like, this is fine.
2: (laughs) They like faint later. So. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's uh, true.
1: (laughs) But they, but they think it's moving, right?
2: Yeah, I'm fine with an extra dimensional space, but once that starts moving, man, I'm out. Yeah. Too much.
1: <laughs> oh man. Um and then the doctor uh the doctor compares Ian to a red Indian with a savage mind.
0: <laughs> it was Oh boy, it, I love that because it implies that even like the doctor used to be like problematic, right?
1: A red Indian with a savage mind. <laughs> Remember the red Indian with, uh, it, whose savage mind saw uh, a tr- could not comprehend a train and thought that it wasn't real.
0: Um, yeah, you're like what that <laughs> that's famous that was, that's that was actually the first line of Tom Baker's memoirs.
1: oh red indian with a savage mind woof oh boy uh ian gets very offended by this
2: as he Uh, should
0: but not for the right reasons
2: no but
1: yeah let's
0: uh. you know what else i realized cassandra
1: um watching it this time when i don't think i ever put it together Because I guess there's never been a gift set that I've seen on Tumblr that put the two moments together. But I've never connected that the doctor saying here, uh, we come from another planet and maybe in one day we will go back. Yes, perhaps one day we'll go back is uh, later when, when Susan leaves and he says... Yes, I'll come back. Maybe one day oh. I'll come back. I never connected in my mind that they're calling back this moment, which is to say, no, he's not going to come back. Just like <laughs> he might come back to Gallifrey one day. He might come back and visit her someday. In other words, no, never. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I so. think I,
2: the, um, cause the one where he says goodbye to Susan is so much more iconic. So I think the two just like, yeah meshed in my brain but
1: yeah that makes total sense yeah is uh i i'd never noticed before i wonder if when when susan leaves uh verity is still the producer of the show right at that time yes Yes. yeah so i wonder if that was her decision if she did that
2: maybe
1: i don't know because it seems like that would be the only connection right because that story was written by terry nation yeah so um unless for some reason it was his idea, but he's usually not the most poetic or subtle he has, writer. He has the, the crazy ideas. Has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't that doesn't seem like his kind of thing. So maybe maybe it was Verity's idea. I don't know. Um I really like that as a callback though. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh and then there's there's some bickering and uh the doctor turns the TARDIS on and they go on the trippiest trip in the TARDIS ever <laughs> uh, and then and then they appear in a uh deserted land and a shadow creeps over the TARDIS um and who that tar- who that shadow is uh we won't find out until we we start talking about the next story uh next time we talk about William Hartnell but um I don't know. What, what did, uh, what did you think, Nick? Like wh- as your first foray into, into classic who, um, what did you think? Cause I feel like, I feel like weirdly <clears throat> this story is actually a really good place. I mean, that seems like an obvious thing to say, but it is a good place to start with classic who, because I think that there's enough here to sink your teeth into from a modern who perspective. Um, That it doesn't feel as dated as you would think it would. I guess. I don't know. What did you think?
0: Yeah, I I really had a lot of fun with it, and I like parts of uh, like you know watching this. I I was like I kind of wished like certain things would come back, like I like when when they teleport and it's like this trippy like acid trip thing. I was (laughs) like, like I would love for that to be a thing again. But just, like, have really trippy, like, flaming lips visuals every time they use (laughs) a (laughs) TARDIS. Like, that would be great. Um, Yeah. And it kind of reminded me a lot of the pilot episode of Star Trek. Because I remember as a kid, I would be like, oh, the first episode of Star Trek. And I'd be watching it, and I'm like, where is everybody? Why does Spock look weird? Who are any of these people? And I can imagine a kid watching, you know, if I was a kid and I was watching an an unearthly child when I was like 10 or 11, I'd be like, why are, it's kind of like watching like a weird, like reefer madness version of Donnie Darko at first. It's like these two teachers, like, isn't Susan funny? You know, Susan said the darndest thing today. And I'm like, I I don't know if I'd be into this if I was a kid, like not (laughs) knowing what was coming, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, uh, I love I, th- I thought William Hartnell was great. I like, <laughs> I fell in love with his, I mean, like right away he, he established himself as like a really distinct character and you can totally see the blueprints of, you know, why this character played by this man became such like an instant sensation among like children and adults. He's kind of, uh, he he is actually like more of a role doll doctor than I think. Like Matt Smith, if Matt Smith is a Doctor Seuss doctor, mm-hmm. then I think William Hartnell is the role doll doctor. That yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I yeah, because because it's grumpy, but it's 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 grumpiness. It's it's whimsicality cloaked in grumpiness.
1: You could definitely see
0: uh, Charlie Bucket being a companion to Hartnell. Totally, and you know I do I I. I do kind of miss, I mean, you know, I mean, I you know, it sounds weird cuz I just watched this for the first time, but I I would love to see a more a return to like a quiet kind of spooky, creepy, but like Edward Gorey kind of Doctor Who where there is well, like That's
1: kind of that's what we got last
0: season. Yeah, Series but, eight, Yeah, but it uh just not quite as I don't know. Like there there was a there was a calmness and a quietness to this that was so like halloweeny and but 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 different than the capaldi era but like akin to the capaldi era and i was like i would i'd would be down for like little 23 minute episodes again yeah hmm. um I, I really love I, I really enjoyed susan in this episode and the doctor's relations and i uh i i almost got kind of emotional i was watching this with my roommate and, um, you know, and she was like, oh, I called it the TARDIS because of its name, you know, trans, you know, transatlantic, I know, but, um, <laughs> uh, but I was kind of moved that Susan named the TARDIS and it's, mm-hmm. and it carries like before, I like the idea that before Susan, it was, he just called it by the whole thing, but then Susan decided to start calling it the TARDIS and it like, and that stuck.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean I no, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that's. I, I think it's the, pretty much been retconned at this point,
0: but yeah, I know. Yeah. And as soon as as I was saying it, I'm like, they probably came up with a dumb sci-fi reason now, but I don't know. In that yeah. moment, I I thought that was sweet. That like for maybe season yeah. named it. Um, yeah, like I I was I was really I was really entertained by it, and it <laughs> really made me love the story in a deeper way because like this was, you know, the beginning. Like right. this was his first incarnation. This was his first life. You know, Susan was his first companion, and I could actually sort of see other companions make more sense. You know, like oh, like it kind it kind of made me understand the character in a basic way. Where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, he had he had this. I mean, I don't know if this has been retcon, but he was like, oh, he had this like connection with this human, with his granddaughter, with family, and like he like that ended for some reason. And now he's sort of just and it, you know like, it it kind of makes why all the companions are young girls sort of not be creepy anymore in my brain. I mean, oh, you know I've never put that together before, oh, that no, that was that all he's I just was been trying I, to replace Susan this whole time, oh, yeah, that was all I kept thinking about was like
1: that's really sad,
0: like now Clara <laughs> makes more sense and 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 like you know yeah. uh, Amy and Donna, you know it, it's just an old yeah. man taking care of his granddaughter, right.
1: Oh. Oh. Well, it makes, it actually makes 10 and a row, it makes me
0: hate 10 and rows even more. Because <laughs> it's like, it's like, it, it turns in a dirty grandpa. Yeah. Oh,
1: God. I don't like it.
0: Um,
1: Yeah. So, so I, I, yeah, no, I, I think it's really great. You know, every time I, I watch an, a story with Ian and Barbara, I keep waiting for Ian to, to
0: say, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Every.
1: <laughs> 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 Every time.
0: (laughs) They also had a real um, Brad and Janet thing going on, I thought. Yeah, definitely.
2: I love Ian and Barbara so much. I think they have such great chemistry. They do. Um, Like, I was watching it with my fiancé, because he had never seen it before. Mm -hmm. And he was like, so are Barbara and Ian, like, a thing? Are they together? And I was like, no. He's like, oh, they should be. I was like, yes, they
0: should. Yeah. And then, like when I whenever I saw them I couldn't help but think about Clara and um and Danny Pink.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean that or was like Amy and Rory, yeah. That was I mean uh, Clara and, and Danny that was that was meant to specifically recall Barbara and Ian. cuz oh, right. the school yeah. that the school that they teach at is the same school that Clara teaches at. Cole Hill. Yeah. Home right. of the class. Right. Home of home of class. Home of
0: class. oh oh it's e- okay it's okay I gave it too much credit
1: yeah it's just called class Christ Almighty <laughs> and it's just so that when the show when the show gets a per, a premiere date the poster and the and the and the ads can all say classes, classes in, in session. session bitches yeah classes in session <laughs> summer 2016
0: or whatever hashtag who's um, a good class who's
1: a good class <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I uh I, I I really I really do love an unearthly child. Um, I kind of I, like
0: part of me once I was watching this and I was like, I kind of it'd be cool if they just rebooted it and just started here again. Oof. No way. Oh man. I I just <laughs> no,
1: no way. No, because this exists. The whole point of Doctor Who is that it all exists. It's all part That's of the true. history. Like James um, Bond. Yeah. I don't I don't want I don't ever want a Doctor Who reboot. Um we'll we'll be talking about that when we get to the Eighth Doctor. Um, oh my lord. Because uh we've got we've got some extracurricular things to uh absorb when we get to the eighth I, doctor stuff. I can wait. Um Uh so anyway, that's that's I guess that's an unearthly child.
0: You know what this reminds me <clears throat> of? Hmm. Imagine an unearthly child redone but animated in the style of Paper Man. There's, um,
1: there's, I mean, yeah, I would, I've always said that it would be really cool if they animated, like, I feel like they could get a lot of mileage out of Classic Who if they animated it all and used the same soundtrack.
0: Yeah. But imagine like getting like the guy that did the book of Kells.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, sure. But like any, any animation style is, is like the paper, the paper, the paper man, uh, uh style is i think what i was specifically thinking of because i remember do you remember around the 50th anniversary there was that animation going around of like <clears throat> it starts as the first doctor and then he like takes off his jacket and turns oh. into the second doctor oh and yes then, yeah i do yeah yeah and it just keeps transforming into all the doctors in like a loop mm-hmm. um that animation style doing like a classic who Animated series, or even like brand new adventures with the classic Doctors as a cartoon series. Yeah, I think would be awesome. I think I think I think it'd be real a really cool way to rejuvenate those old eras mm-hmm. without
0: like having to reboot anything. You sort know, of like uh, sort of like what Buffy the Animated Series is going to be. Right, right. Which is like you free- even get. You can even get David Bradley to play
1: Hartnell, like to play the first Doctor, mm-hmm. like as the voice in those stories, that'd or Sean awesome. Pertwee to play John Pertwee, right? Yeah, oh, oh, that'd be great. I'd love that. Oh my god, that'd be so that'd be so phenomenal.
0: <laughs> and David Tennant um, could play uh, Glory Hair era David Tennant. <laughs> uh, People, of Oh, age. yeah, yeah. I'd be a big fan of that. That'd be really cool. I think. I feel like Matt um, Smith, especially, would would be uh, enhanced by animation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do those eras, at least not for a long time, because like the whole point of the animation thing would be to like get like kids on board with like those early Doctors. Like, how awesome would it be to like meet some like eight year old kid and you are like, who's your who's your favorite Doctor? And he's just like, I love the second Doctor. You know, like,
2: yeah. That
1: just be that so, trout. Yeah, that'd just be so rad. <laughs> like that'd be so rad. Yeah, totally. And you'd be able to redeem like Colin Baker because he would look amazing in animation.
2: Oh that my god, stuff. he's like made for animation.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, he'd be so cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would love that. That'd be pretty. That'd be pretty awesome. Uh,
0: and also, it'd be a
1: really cool way to like recreate the the lost episodes. Oh, totally.
0: Um,
1: or, be, like, that'd be a really neat way to do it. Or, like, uh,
0: imagine them animating, like, unused Douglas Adams scripts. Those were not as good as you think that they are in theory.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. You're going to be very disappointed when we get to the Douglas Adams seasons.
0: <laughs> I know I was. Uh,
2: yes, very much so. So
0: long, and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> if only.
1: um so uh so yeah so that's that's an unearthly child and that's the first doctor's first story um goodbye william hartnell your first step into into uh, a, a larger world nick yes <laughs> welcome to classic who fandom um next week We're going to begin uh, Patrick Troughton. We're going to do his first story or the first half of his first story because his first story is six parts. And we've made a decision that anything over five parts, I think, was the rule. Um, Because there's some like there's like two or three stories that are five parts (laughs) or something like that. So so anything anything over five parts, we're going to divide into two episodes so that it's easier to tackle in a week's time. So we're going to do power of the Daleks part one, part parts one through three, uh, next week. And the thing about power of the Daleks is that it is, uh, it is a story that does not exist. So Nick, you're jumping in the deep end next week. And it really sucks that it doesn't exist because Mm -hmm. it's one of, if not like arguably the best Dalek story ever. Um, and oh yeah, y- y- uh, yeah, arguably and and it doesn't exist, and it's also Troughton's first story, and it doesn't exist like it's just it's just like a one two punch of like, oh, that sucks <laughs> it mm-hmm. sucks that this doesn't exist, yeah. but anyway, so the next for the next two weeks we're gonna be covering power of the Daleks um next week will be episodes one through three, and the week after that will be episodes four through six.